As we get into episode 18 of White Heat, I want to talk to you again real quick about our good friends at Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road in the Scotia Glenville area of upstate New York, where they always go out of their way to please you. Hey, the current supply and demand challenges within the auto industry are making this a perfect time for you to get top dollar for your vehicle. We've been talking about trade-ins for a while now throughout the summer. So right now, Mohawk Honda, what they are doing is you can take advantage of their Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer. It's very simple. You arrive with a vehicle, they're going to give you cash in your hand the same day you come in, even if you don't end up turning around and buying a different vehicle from them. That's right. No commitments, no contracts, no nothing. You come in, you want to sell your used vehicle, they'll give you cash in hand, no questions asked. Pretty sweet deal if you ask me, especially if you're like a recent college grad that's got bills to pay and doesn't really know what to do, or maybe students in need of a new ride or some extra cash. Pretty sweet deal if you ask me. Mohawk Honda, they've consistently kept their lot fully stocked with hundreds of pre-owned vehicles with the largest inventory, which makes shopping fun as you can browse through the many makes and models that you can choose from. And you can check out the whole selection online as well. So if you want to walk in prepared, you can just go online, check out Mohawk Honda's website, look at their vehicles, and then show up the lot and say, hey, I want to check out X, Y, and Z. So make sure you stop and say hey to Guys like Greg Johnson, the assistant GM, uh, Jake Hot Sauce Doyle, Luis, the VIP man Morales, or any one of the many helpful sales consultants there at Mohawk Honda with their vast selection of Honda certified pre-owned vehicles. And now is the time better than ever to take advantage of their Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer. Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia, Glenville, where they always go out of their way to please you. Also, we want to bring up our good friends over here. At Johnstone Supply. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about air conditioning units and getting those fixed or just getting brand new ones all across the summer. Well, now we're getting into some colder temperatures. Fall is officially here, and that means changes are going to be coming to your home. Do you need your furnace replaced or fixed? Do you need things upgraded in your heating system? Well, Johnstone Supply and Troy... They can make your home heated properly for this colder weather that is coming in over the next few months. It's a family-owned and operated business. They've been around in upstate New York helping residents for decades. And you can visit their store on 6th Avenue in Troy for more information on how they can help you this fall so you're not left out in the cold literally and figuratively. Whether it's finding the proper change for your filters or making sure your home is heated properly with a new furnace, potentially, Johnstone Supply in Troy. Their staff can help you answer any questions you may have. George, Tom, anyone on their staff, they're all looking forward to seeing you. You can check them out on Facebook by searching Johnstone Supply Troy or give them a call at 518-272-5922. And make sure you stick around because we're going to tell you at the end of the show about a special giveaway that we got going on. And that being said, hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of White Heat. I'm Brian Katie. That's my co-host, my buddy, JJ Alexander, who thinks I'm, I'm probably a carny asshole for the way I do some of those ad reads. But you know what? Fuck it. Who cares? It's What's up, JJ? It's time for the big giveaway. Dun, 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 yeah, we do have a giveaway at the end of the show. <laughs> and uh, if you're uh, – let's just say it, 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 if you're somebody who hosts pay-per-view watch parties – this could be a nice giveaway for you. 
just go be a nice giveaway for you. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, so we'll we'll touch on that at the end of the show. Um, any hooser. It's weird because I feel like the past week, um, very underwhelming as far as news is concerned with AEW. Moderately, um, some moderate news feed for WWE, but I felt like there was a lot of stuff in the other category that we need to get into. Um, so let's just jump right into it as I can look for all my notes and my banners and no, my, my, my computer just sucks. Here we go. So, um, before actually we get, before we get into that stuff, how we've always been starting these shows the last few weeks, uh, JJ heels. This is what episode four now episode five, five. Okay. It's so bad. I forget the count. Um, I can tell by your face already that this is not going to go well. I don't get it. I, it's, okay. The fuck? Like, ugh. That sounds like the thing we've been having for the last month with this show, but continue. I know, but it's gotten worse. Like, okay, so there's like this subplot about uh, fucking the <laughs> Titus. Not right here. <laughs> Titus, here. Have a cracker. It's okay. That's how I feel too. Yeah. So there's there's this subplot about how the Dolph Ziggler looking motherfucker Ace about how his valet has been helping out this newer guy at the at the company who's like a greenhorn trying to help him like find his gimmick and stuff and like right. and because and because the dude's like you know he's like six five and he's got a good build but like he's kind of bland. And I didn't even realize until like last episode what the fuck his name was. Like, I knew his first name was Bobby. That was it. Like, because everyone just says Bobby or Bobby P. The fucker's gimmick name is Bobby Pin. What? <laughs> no! <laughs> Bobby Pin. <laughs> I don't know if okay. you need to say anything else about that episode. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, oh, oh. I need to laugh yeah. like that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So anyways, so so the valet's been helping him out trying to figure out a gimmick and stuff. And it's been it's been, you know, just very they've been very friendly, but there's nothing going on there. She's just helping him out. And he's been like very like you know respectful and everything because he's like yes ma'am no ma'am you know but the thing is like this dude like he's supposed to be this greenhorn that came over from texas but like he doesn't know how to do moves and he doesn't know what moves are called and it's just like dude no indie is gonna pick you up like obviously like yeah you need some experience but no indie's gonna pick you up if you're that fucking green like in practice they're like okay do a frog splash and he's like what's that 
Like Let now, me do that headlock flippy over thing. You mean a right. suplex? Yeah, that thing. Yeah, exactly. So like you know the whole thing is like you know he he's extremely inexperienced and everything. But so like what happens is she's helping him out, and then one day, fucking Ace sees like them like hanging out together. So he automatically thinks that she's fucking him. So he gets all mad. So there's this like bartender chick at this local bar that he goes to that he was just like, Oh look, a new rat and starts banging her. And so then fucking <laughs> they get ready to do this. Uh, they get ready to do this whole spot and they're actually going to let like the valet, like cut a promo and stuff. And there's going to be this big cage match between Ace and Bobby who with the winner getting the fucking shot at the title in the steel cage and fucking, and Jason ML is going to be the fucking guest referee for it. And the day of the show, fucking Ace shows up with this rat, and he's like, "Oh no, this is my new valet." That's nice. And the brother's okay with it. And I'm like, "What kind of fucking Fox Vineyard J Busta bullshit is this? You can't just bring in any fucking skank off the fucking street and be like, "This is my valet." If the bitch ain't trained, the bitch don't come in the back." I don't give a fuck. I hate fucking bullshit indies that do that shit. Anyways. I will not comment. I will not comment. I will not comment. I will not comment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I don't give a fuck. I know you don't, but neither do I, but holy shit. So then they're like, okay, now we have to change the whole fucking story because Ace brought in this rat. And fucking, so they're like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to change it to be like, oh, Crystal's been cheating on you with Bobby and we're going to take a bunch of pictures for you to reveal in the ring. So then they're actually like going through like all on show day, they're going through this whole thing of like trying to take Polaroids of like the two of them making out. And they're like, we don't want to make out. We're just friends. And they're like, well, you have to make it look real. And they're like, but the, it's we don't want to because, you know, but so they try to anyways. So then Ace is being a douche, all this shit. And then what happens is apparently they get a phone call from the people who run the South Georgia State Fair and they're interested in having wrestling at the South Georgia State Fair. We so, want the wrestling. Exactly. So like, all right, so the show on Saturday, like we've really got to amp everything up and we got to be on our best behavior and do everything right because the people from the South Georgia State Fair are going to be there because this could be our big fucking ticket because they have a 10,000 seat arena during the fair. Which is nice. Wait, 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 wait. What fucking fair as a 10... Never mind. I'll shut up. Just just go. It looked like a baseball field from the previews from the next episode. Y'all can do your changing of your costumes in the barn area next to the <laughs> the cows and the horses. Listen, the arena at the Big E is pretty fucking big. <laughs> the one that they charge people like five hundred dollars a ticket for the concerts for. The Big E is a little more classy than most other state fairs. Yeah, Georgia's a big state. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to fact check that shit. But anyway, at risk of not knowing who listens to or watches this podcast. Fuck Georgia. 
send all hate mail to brian.katie at godzillamedia.com. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Fuck Georgia. <laughs> but anyways, so they, they get, you know, so it's like they go, they, they, they do the load in for the show and everything. Um, the dude who's been complaining about racism for the past few episodes, like basically like he has a good match. Oh, he almost, they, he almost threw the fucking battle Royal he was in. Cause the dude he was working was like, I'll go out. You know, you can win the battle Royal. It's like, no, then you'll both get fucking fired because if anyone pulls that shit on my fucking show, I'd be like, kick fucking rocks. And I'm going to tell every fucking promoter that I know that you don't fucking listen to the booker and fuck off and you're not getting booked anymore. But he had a change of heart and he was like, okay, I'm going to do business the right way. And then afterwards he's like, he was like, good job, rooster. And he's like, what'd you call me? And he's like, rooster. And he's like, what's my real name? And fucking Stephen Amell just like stops. And he was like, this is your given name. This is the name I put on your checks. This is a, he's like, I know who you are. And he basically like, they make amends. He's like, listen, I know I've been a dick the past couple of weeks. Give me till you know, just give me tonight. I'm trying to get this. If we get the state fair, I promise I will give you the time that you need to air your grievances and everything. So that seems to be smoothed out. Okay, cool. No problem. So we're going to drop that bullshit. Yay. Yeah. So then we have the main event. We got the cage match. They're supposed to do the promo where Ace says, I caught you cheating on me, blah, 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 blah. And then introduces new thing. But you got to remember Ace is the heel and Bobby's the baby face. So then what happens is they're in the cage and fucking the valet just grabs the mic and goes into business for herself. And she's like, I've been cheating on you with Bobby Pin because he's got a bigger dick and he can satisfy me. And there's like... The people from the South Georgia State Fair in the front row. Like, and so fucking, and so then there's, he's, she was just like, and I know about your trailer trash, blah, 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 and have the fucking ballet come out and shit. So they have the match. Ace starts stiffing the fuck out of this kid because he thinks that the kid's actually fucking his old valet when he's not. But, you know, two seconds of dialogue between the two would have been like, are you fucking her? No. Oh, okay. No. No, instead, Ace is just beating the fuck out of him, brings him up to do a superplex off the fucking top of the cage, and he's like, Ace, I ain't done this before. And he's like, stop being a pussy. And fucking superplex off the top of the cage. And then he goes and he puts him, and he puts him in a fucking heel hook. And the dude's tapping. And fucking Amel is just like, Ace, stop. He's tapping. And he's like, bro, man, he's tapping. He's like, Ace, and fucking and Ace snaps his fucking shin bone. And they have to bring the stretcher out and pull the dude out and take him to the hospital because Ace is a fucking dick bag. And then it shows them at the hospital and Ace is just like, oh, you know, I was just trying to make it look good. And fucking Stephen Amell like plants him into a fucking soda machine. And he's like, you're a piece of shit, blah, 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 blah. And then they turn and look and there's Stephen Amell's son who thinks that like, Uncle Ace is only a heel in character, and here's his dad saying, you're a piece of shit in real life, so the kid's like, and it's like, so, but then they found out they got the fair. Oh, back it up. So, in this indie where he has a full production staff that doesn't know how to fucking handle shit correctly, as they're bringing Bobby to the back, all of a sudden, you hear a voice in the ring, and it's the Michael Hayes ripoff character. Who's down there who Ace has said, stay the fuck away from my company and stay the fuck away from my brother because I don't need your fucking exposure. And he's all like, this company has gone to shit since Tom Spade blew his head off. And he's like, and I'm here because I just left my tenure with the company up north 
And he's like, and I think I need to bring something back to this company. So I'm challenging uh, Ace and Jack Spade to, to a three-way ladder match for the title. And like, this dude's supposed to be 50-something out of shape, but he's going to work this. He just goes into business for himself. And fucking, and, J, and Stephen Amell standing outside like, who gave this guy a mic? And it's like, you own the company, fucker. Tell him to shut the mic off. Like, it's not that hard. And so then it, it showed previews for the next episode where it shows like a baseball stadium. And I'm like, how the fuck are you going to do a ladder match in a baseball stadium? You're just going to have God dangle the fucking title? <laughs> and it shows the dude from the, the, the Indian Florida that we like to reference once every three episodes talking to Rooster and being like, come work for me. And I'm like, once again, if you are an indie wrestler, you are not contracted to one specific fucking indie. You work every fucking indie that you can take that's reputable, at least. It's not this whole, I only work for this one company bullshit. But it's just the shit with the, I've got a new valet, the shit with him going too far in the fucking cage, the shit with fucking Michael Hayes, and the shit with Bobby Pinn, uh, fucking ridiculous. I mean, hypothetically, you could put extensions on the, the turnbuckle posts and never mind, I'll shut up. I'm, 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 I'm like I'm, Ultimate X. Yeah, I know. Yeah, hypothetically, but yeah, I don't know. Whatevs. So I like it looks better like when it's, <laughs> it's like when he used to play fucking um, was it Raw versus SmackDown like 2006, and you play Money in the Bank, but you do it with tribute to the troops, so it just looks like God's dangling the title in the desert. Oh. <laughs> Against Shawn Michaels and his partner, God. Oh, God, was that awful. That was so I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can think of it when you say shit like that, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. So, we're going to just touch on this real quick because. It's a cool story. I, I and I, 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 we're not all about just yelling and being angry on this show. So let's let's give credit where credit is due. Let's give a shout oh, out yeah. to Al Snow real quick. So yeah. unless you've been living under a rock, here's what happened basically. Uh, last week, uh, basically hours after we had gone off the air from our most recent episode of White Heat, uh, news came out of Florida how Al Snow. Saved the life of a child who was dragged into the Gulf of, Me the Gulf of Mexico um, and basically grabbed him before he got dragged into deeper water. Um, yeah. So basically a lifeguard was able to get to the pair and use a flotation device to help the boy back to shore. Um, and it was an issue with riptide rip currents and yeah. I... I uh, <laughs> Which is interesting because I I want I can't remember if it was last episode or the episode before where we were discussing Al being almost sixty and absolutely yep. ripped to shreds. Yep. And then he goes and does this. Like, yep. He heard you. 
He was like, watch this, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. He's like, oh, oh, that's what you think, Fry? Hold my beer. <laughs> Hold my creatine just, shake. I'm going in. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, no, it's just... I, I, I like I like a feel-good story once in a while. So seeing that yeah. did my heart... like it, it made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So good on you, Al Snow. Have you... Are there any other experiences you've heard about, whether it be indie, national, whatever, that you can recall, not necessarily of this level of saving a life, but like, you know, just a feel-good story of somebody doing something nice for a stranger that they didn't know. The only thing I could think of was like, what was it like? Oh, it must have been like 10 years ago now when like Ahmed Johnson like tackled a fucking shoplifter in Walmart who was trying to like get away with like Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to say, I could be wrong. Wasn't there somebody in the business that like saw a car accident and pulled somebody out before the vehicle caught fire or something like that? Sammy Callahan. That was Sammy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew. I knew it wasn't somebody in in WWE. Oh, I think he might have been. He was NXT in NXT. He was in NXT at the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I knew it wasn't somebody on the big show necessarily, but I, I, I felt like it was somebody... Okay. Yeah, okay. He was so a hero remember, while in NXT, and they still fucking let him go. Right. Go figure. Go figure. You mean, shit happens. Okay. Um. So... Uh, give me two seconds here. Um. So there's a couple of things I want to discuss about a company we don't talk about a lot. Okay. So let's just get right into it. Let's discuss... Excuse me. This is what I get for not being completely ready. Here we go. Uh, Ring of Honor. Let's talk about Ring of Honor a little bit because over the this... Uh, since our last show, they came out and had... Uh, Death Before Dishonor, uh, which is one of their regular shows, one of the regular specialty shows, pay-per-view type shows over here. Death Before Dishonor, 18. Holy shit, 18 years. Uh, They had it in Philadelphia over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And a couple of things that uh, popped out to me. Number one... um, Jonathan Gresham dropping the, the pure yeah. championship to Josh Woods. Yeah. That was a surprise. Um now I remember Josh when he first came into ROH, and I'll be honest, I haven't watched a whole lot of ROH TV in the last six to eight months. So I don't know if anything's really changed. But as far as the skill set he had, um, this division made sense for him. Let's yeah. just put it at that out there. Given the amateur experience he had coming into the company, um, his skill set, his amateur experience, it made sense for the pure brand. I'm just not entirely sure. And again, I haven't been watching ROH TV the last few months, so that's on me. I'm not sure character-wise 
personality wise he hasn't really been featured all that much like that's it came out the most i can remember him ever being featured was the stuff between him and silas young right exactly i think the issue is roh has also they started doing a youtube show and like i haven't caught any of it you know i can't i obviously catch their tv stuff because i dvr it but mm-hmm. and I think that there, he probably started doing more stuff on the YouTube show because I haven't seen him on a regular show in God knows how long. Right. Well, that plus, I mean, when you talk about all the stuff that's been going on around ROH outside of that, that's taken up storylines. I would assume you'd be talking about the world title yeah. with which had a fatal uh, a four way elimination, which we'll get to in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had the women's championship tournament. Yep. You've had the stuff between Shane Taylor Promotions and LFI. Mm-hmm. You've had all the Taven and Vincent shit, yep. which just ended. And now you've got Taven and Bennett with the Briscoes. Mm-hmm. Um, anything involving violence unlimited. So there's a lot of, a lot of shit up in the air right now as far as creative is concerned. Yeah. Um, another thing that caught me interesting... And really, the, the, let's just let's just let's just call a spade a spade here. This is basically because I, I, I've seen how this guy's also getting booked on the indie since being released from WWE. This is basically ROH joining the party of taking advantage of a WWE slash NXT release with Alex Zane winning the pre-show. What was it? Battle Royal Honor, yeah. whatever the Honor Rumble. Thank you. Yeah. Um, to get an ROH World Title shot. Like, I don't know if you've been seeing the booking for... Uh, he was known as Ari Sterling, by the way, if you right, didn't right. watch 205 Live a whole lot when he was with WWE. Um, but I feel like... by Because I've seen the bookings he's been getting since leaving the comp, since leaving WWE. And it's like... Obviously, he's not a name... Like, he's not an Andrade. Like, he's not going to pop yeah. a number. But, like, he's just one of those guys that's... Essentially, been a darling of indie bookings coming up the next few, like like next month or two. Uh-huh. And it almost seemed like ROH was like, let's kind of jump on that bandwagon and give a little feel good ROH title shot. Let's just throw it to Alex. Yeah, at least that's just how it felt to me. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like something that. Now, obviously, Alex hasn't been around ROH a whole lot because of being in WWE, but almost like they're just like, yeah, fuck it, let's just throw it over there, right? Um, what else? Anything else jump out to me? Um, not really. Shane Taylor promotions, they retain the six man titles over LF, uh, LFI. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because you had three champ, you had three types of champions wrapped up into one match and only one title on the line because you got, um, Kenny King and uh, Dragon Lee is the tag champs, and yeah. Dragon Lee is also the TV champ. Yeah, so you had three different kinds of champions in one match, and only one title on the line, which it it was what it was. I can't believe um, Violence Unlimited dropped the tag belt so fucking quickly. What's that? I can't believe Violence Unlimited dropped the tag belt so fucking quickly. Yeah, a, a bit odd. Um, I'm trying to remember that was what Homicide and Dickinson held the belts. Technically, yeah. Um, yeah, very odd. Very, very odd. The whole tag division in order, which I feel like is kind of weird because, yeah, you have these stables that have teams formed within them, but then you also have, like, um, 
Now you got Bennett and Taven, it seems like potentially tagging again. You yeah. always have the Briscoes in the mix. Um, we just mentioned S- STP. Um, LFI has the current champs. Yeah. It just seems like a little bit of a muddled division right now where it does. Uh, one, one might see a case of, the, of those belts coming a little hot potato-ish maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very anti-ROH typically. I know. Um, even the TV title isn't very hot potato Like, if there was any belt you'd expect to be kind of hot potato-y, if that's even a phrase, it's a TV title. But even that belt, they're not even that... They typically aren't like that a lot. Like, um, just to go back a ways, I know Matt Taven, he had the belt for a long time. Briscoe, um, not Briscoe, um, Lethal, he he had it long enough to the point where he was a double champion at one point. Um... Like yeah, you don't you don't you know when you think of ROH, you don't think of titles being constantly going back and forth like the WWE Attitude Days. Right. Um, but I think I, I have a feeling that tag title ROH might become one of those. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, obviously the pure title a current example because Gresham had it for what like almost a year before he dropped it to Woods. Yeah, over the weekend. Um. Like, you're going to need to educate me a little bit because I don't know. How much of this women's tournament did you watch? I actually didn't catch any of the women's tournament because I, I, I yeah. think most of it took place on the YouTube channel. Right, which which I thought as well. So I wasn't sure if I had missed something here. I'm not familiar with Roxy. I've heard the name before. Yeah, I'm not familiar with a lot of her work either. Yeah, right? like, and that, that's, and that's, and that's like, that's part of the reason why I'm kind of like, like she's young. So they have a chance to work with her for a while, which yeah. is good. Um, at the same time, though, considering the other people that were in that tournament, I'm a little surprised they went that direction in a way. Yeah. Um, not that I wanted to see Angelina Love win it, but like that's <laughs> one of the names that were in it. Um, Chelsea Green, I believe, was in the tournament yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Again, not necessarily. Like, but like yeah. the. You just feel like there were other names in there. It's, potentially... they, haven't really, they haven't really put a lot of emphasis on the women's division, and that that's the issue. Like, yeah, here's the here's a tournament for it, but right. we're not gonna really like the like the only women's match I remember seeing on ROH TV in the past few months is fucking Quinn McKay having some having a match with uh I think it was Angelina Love. It was probably it was Angelina Love or Mandy Leon, yeah. Yeah, and it was only because it was like it was basically like to get into the tournament, and that's only because Quinn McKay is their announcer, and she's only had like two matches. And they've had like this weird rivalry budding between her and uh, the Allure, I think they're called Angelina yeah. and Mandy. Um, yeah. I gotta be honest, like when you look at the ROH Women's Division, it's I felt like they started strong. Because Sumi Sakai was a respectable talent. Uh-huh. I personally, I don't know how you feel, but I personally, I was a little bit of a fan of Kelly Klein. So um, I liked her involvement in there. And then it seemed like once they had the issues with Kelly Klein behind the scenes that led to that division kind of becoming unraveled, that's when shit just really went downhill honestly and now it's yeah. just kind of like the, 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 it's almost like they're trying to repair it 
they're trying to repair the division. They 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 basically said, let's go with the young girl and try to build up from there. Yeah, is the decision they made. Yeah. Um. So I mentioned the main event, the four way elimination. Um. Now I mentioned before how Bandito had to beat Roosh to become the champ, and Roosh is now injured and out for the rest of the the calendar year. As far as how far into 2022 he's out, we don't know. But obviously the the talent is unmistakable. We know he has talent, but as an overall presence as champion, how do you feel about Bandito being or do you feel like he's just kind of a plug and play for the time being until ROH has do you think ROH has a plan with him or this is more of a plug and play until they figure out a plan? No, I think I think it was I think it was a smart move putting the title of Bandito, on Bandito, and I think they could have a good run with him at the top. Um, he's 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 really over with the fans. He's a good worker. Um, it's just a matter of their whole thing of uh, running shows because as it is, uh, apparently they decided to nick have any more live shows for the rest of the year again. So they hit the same wall they had before with the MP studio stuff. Right. It's hard to watch. Uh-huh. But I mean, it's the times we live in. Which I want to say, I didn't, I didn't intend this to take, because you just mentioned the MP studio thing. Isn't that something that AEW just did? They did a bunch of like studio recordings for Dark and yeah. Elevation. They moved. They moved Dark and Elevation Universal. They don't do those as pre tapes. They don't do those as uh, tapings before Dynamite. Anymore. It's on a soundstage now, right? Yeah. Looks like WCW Worldwide. Which, which, which is interesting because I feel like that's kind of what we were inferring was. Not necessarily the best option, but because like we broke it down not too long ago, because we were talking about how you have two hours of TV Wednesday, one hour of TV Fridays, which will be two hours next week because they're doing this the New York City specials. Yeah. Um, but then you also are trying to basically they were trying to do the WWE model of things, where they did all their. YouTube tapings pr- before their live shows. Right. Well, and the way they work, because I know someone that was at like, the South Carolina show, is they were taping mm-hmm. Dark before Dynamite and Dark Elevation after Dynamite. Which... <sighs> which, so people would be there until like one thirty in the fucking morning. Right. Um, which is no bueno. Obviously, you're not going to have the, the same energy, but like here, here but here, here's the thing. Um, I feel like the reason we knew, no matter what they were doing, as long as they kept dark and dark elevation on the road in front of live crowds, however they formatted it during either dynamite uh, arena shows or rampage arena shows, I feel like I felt like I was never going to work. Because, and this is a continuous problem we both discussed, regardless of my support for AEW, um, it's it's a problem I'm willing to admit. A lot of it's the same 
style of shit. Mm-hmm. And you can only do so much of the same style of shit until you kill your crowd. Yep. So for me, this is a smart move for them. Um, because even if you do have like a small crowd at this soundstage, it's not like you're trying to accomplish a whole lot. Like to me, like dark, dark and dark elevation were great for COVID because you weren't trying to pop a crowd. You were in there to get your work in and whatever, and, and, you know, learn whatever you're trying to learn in the midst of it. I just feel like now that they're back to going to arenas, it's it it's tough because again they're trying to do that WWE model, trying to record during those bookings, and it's just it's just not going to work. Nope. <laughs> um. By the way, I found the bracket from that women's championship tournament. Let me yeah. just run through real quick what it looked like. It was it was bracketed as a sixteen person tournament but and it had a few names I totally forgot about so I'll mention them in a second <clears throat> but it only had 15 women because Angelina Love got a buy well isn't that fucking lovely Mrs. Edwards <laughs> got a buy good for her um, so the first round was they had a few of the matches I guess on ROH TV did you say Mrs. Edwards uh, Mrs. Richards excuse me I meant Richards I was like I the fuck Richard. bro I meant Richards. I got Eddie I and like, Davey confused. I was just like, I, I, I got to no, call I got, I got, like, what I, you been I, doing, I, brother? I, I, got, I got Eddie and Davey confused in my head for a second. This <laughs> is Richards. My apologies. I'm sorry, Alicia. My bad. Um, <laughs> um, so they had the first round matches between ROH TV and their women's division Wednesday streams that you were talking about. Um, and then they did the quarters and the semis on ROH TV, and then obviously the final last weekend at the pay-per-view. So the first round, just to give you an idea of the – and I won't run through the entire bracket. I just want to give you the names that were involved. So in the first round, Roxy beat Sumi Sakai. So your former champ your, – your, your first did champ lost in the, in the first, first round. round to the eventual winner, which – interesting. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, and I love Sumi. I fucking uh, like Sumi was one of the first people that was really nice to me when I first broke into the business. That being said, I broke into the business almost 18 years ago. And right. Sumi's right. Been working, so Sumi's been working a long time. I know. So it I, was the I, case I, of the it was the case of the veteran putting over the young talent. Right. Um Ma- Quinn McKay in the first round beat Mandy Leone, which no one know. Uh Maxine Paler, who I didn't know existed until I just saw clips recently of this. <laughs> uh, plus, she just got signed by ROH as well, so it's not like she's going anywhere too. She just right. got signed over the past week, so like I just I just saw clips of her for the first time in the last week. I'm like, oh, that's that's a big bitch. That that's a big bad bitch. Um, yeah. But she beat Holiday in the first round. Um, <laughs> I mentioned Angelina having the buy. The bottom half of the bracket was Miranda Elise, who ended up losing in the finals this past weekend. She beat Alex Gracia. Um, Nicole Savoy beat Maserati. Allison Kay. 
beat Willow Nightingale. In oh, Willow was, was in the tournament? Shit. Yeah. Um, and that was the longest time match of the entire first round. 11 and a half minutes. Not that it matters, but whatever. And then uh, Trish Adora beat Marty Bell in the last first round match. So it was like a, it was a little mix. It was like indie talent, a few NWA talents, current ROH yeah. talents, and then yeah. they just kind of were looking to see what happened there, basically. Yeah, it's it's um, gonna be a it's gonna be a bit of a rebuilding period, especially since because ROH used to be like Shimmer just used to be like the sister promotion of ROH as far as women's stuff, and they would just promote Shimmer stuff. Correct. But before, but now Shimmer's working with MLW, so. That's where all of them are. All of them are going. Does MLW though even have? I'm trying to think. Now they do. Seen a women's match? Well, they just okay, started when they... I was when I was at the show in Philly. They mm-hmm. started having more women's matches because right before that was when they brought in Dave Frazak. So, by the way, did you started. see the announcement? I mean, we'll get to another thing involving MLW in a second. Um. Did you see? This is actually a good transition because I wanted to talk about MLW. Um, did you see the stuff that was announced by them over the past week? Well, the opera, t- the opera cup. That's one thing. Yes, we'll get to that in a second. Did you see the other thing that they announced? And this was earlier this week they announced it. Um, I'm not sure. I know Fightland's coming up. So I know they're back done. on TV. Yeah, Fusion Alpha is going to start airing next week. But it's not just on TV. No, yeah, YouTube. Hercules, Hercules. But the reason the reason I'm popping about that is because A, it's another avenue. B, um, I don't feel like upgrading my Spectrum TV package. So YouTube, yeah. Hercules, Hercules. Well, because what they've been doing is they before they were just airing Fusion on YouTube until they got the deal with Vice. And as it is with Vice, they were airing stuff from like two years ago. Now, because they they got the tapings in the can from Philly and from Texas, what they're doing is some of the stuff's going to make it onto Fusion on Vice. The other stuff is going to make it onto Fusion Alpha on YouTube. And going forward, like the stuff that they tape at Fightland, most of it's going to be for Alpha with a few big matches used for Fusion. So it's, it's, it's a smart business model. Um, I'm not a fan of the Opera Cup this year. Why? Because Bobby Fish happens to be in the Opera Cup? Bobby Fish, Davey Richards, fucking, uh, fucking Lee Moriarty is in it, but apparently, uh, supposedly he was just signed to ML, uh, to, to fucking AEW, so what the fuck? Um, he's probably just finishing dates that he already signed to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Calvin Tankman, who I'm not really that big on, um, I mean, Tom Lawler's in there, obviously, because he was the Opera Cup winner last year. Uh-huh. I just, just, there's people that could be in there that aren't. It's like they're playing it safe this year, and I, I'm not a fan. Like, EJ and Duca should be in there. Alex Kane should be in there. Like, put some younger guys in there. Oh, well, you look at this. MLW announced this morning their first women's bout at Fightland. Which is? Ala Dead versus Nicole Savoy. Meh. I mean, Saturday, October 2nd in Philly, and it'll air nationally on a later date. So that'll be on that'll be on Fusion. So right now, this is the card for Fightland on the October 2nd. Tajiri going to be uh, there. 
Uh, yes. Kick you. <laughs> yes. We'll get to that in a second. Um, so the main event is going to be the title for title match with Jacob uh -huh. Fatu and Alex Hammerstone. I want to be there for that, but I can't. <laughs> uh, the four way for the world middleweight championship, Myron Reed defending against Tajiri. Uh, Aramis, I believe this is. And Aramis. Aramis and Aramis. Aramis and Aries had the fucking most amazing lucha match at the last fucking show. So with them, with Tajiri leading them in that fucking four-way, oh, that's going to be fucking gold. Oh, great. It's going to feel like Tajiri, Little Guido, and Super Crazy is what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Now you got me wondering. Um, and Myron Reed's good, too. On the, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Um, Savoy and Holiday, and then they're also going to have the op the Opera Cup opening and, and semifinal rounds during that card. Yeah. Um, and other talents scheduled contra unit the uh, Richard Ho oh, Richard Holiday, <laughs> right? Richard Holiday King, King Muertes. Why would you? This is weird. Wow. When you're talking about your talents that are going to be there, mm -hmm. what's the point of touting your backstage interviewer as one of those talents? Depends. Who is it? Alicia Tout? Mm -hmm. I, I, like, I, only ha I only happen to know the name because she got her break because she was doing um... She's doing interviews for oh, was it the score? That's she was doing right. she was doing wrestling interviews for um somebody in Canada, I believe it was. I think oh, it was okay. the score. Um, and then she just suddenly kind of worked her way into being like a an interviewer with <laughs> MLW. Um. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird because when you, because usually when you look at the bottom of a card and they show other talents scheduled for to appear, you don't usually see, ever see like ring announcers or interviewers. Sean Mooney, or, right? <laughs> also scheduled to appear, Howard Finkel. Like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no um, shit. I don't know. I just thought that was really weird seeing that in the press release that's here on uh, PW Insider. Really, yeah. that's fucking weird. Eddie Hooser, um. Yeah, that's uh, pretty. I think that covered all the ROH. Oh, there was another ROH thing I wanted to bring up real quick. Um, PCO contract ends in uh, at the end of November. Says he's not returning, oh. and he. Well, you don't know the other half of it because this. Um, he's probably finally hanging it up. That's no, no, <laughs> quite. Go contrary, my friend. Go the other way with it. You get signed somewhere? No, but he... The, the talk that's been out there, he thinks he can get one more shot. Where? I don't know. I mean, I know MLW would bring him in in a heartbeat. Um, I don't know if AEW would because they're too fucking dead set on bringing in XWWE talents, but not XWWE talents from 30 years ago. Plus, PCO is 
what? I mean, he's he, oh, he's he's in his fifties. I was going like, to say mid mid fifties. Yes, like he's in amazing shape. He's like Al Snow. He is in amazing shape. Still fucking amazing in the ring. He also had really bad heat in WWE. So fifty three, by the way, he turns fifty four at the end of the year. Yeah. So you know, like I mean, he could very he could fucking go and be a monster in Japan for like a good year or two before he's done. They finally revealed what PCO means. Did I miss that? Pierre Carl Ouellette. No, well, yeah, that's what I assumed. But apparently it stands for something else now. It does. Perfect creation one? What the fuck is that? Because it because it's the Frankenstein gimmick. Right, 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 right. Fuck this Frankenstein gimmick. Just oh my god. I mean, hey, whatever. But I mean, like, like he was go- cute when he first came back. Yeah. Um, with what's his face? The fucking weird ass short girl. Dude. Yeah. No, no. The fucking the weird dude that had the black oozing out of his mouth that was pretending to be Dr. Frankenstein. The fuck yeah, was yeah. Uh, I forget. Like, it, like that was cute. But he was came back three years ago. But he was with Villain Enterprises. That was why I was thinking Marty Skrull. Right, um, right, 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 right. He was with yeah. But yeah. like that, that whole gimmick was cute three years ago. Now it's just like, uh, right. or I mean, like because they kept going back and forth to it. It's like you, you, you kind of shot your wad. Right. I don't know if Vince would bring him back, but, and here is a big but, and here's me playing fantasy booker for just one moment. Imagine if he gets a trial run. And they fly him over the pond, and we get PCO versus Walter in NXT UK. That's the only thing that seems feasible at all. <laughs> that would be or, or just put him in, we'll just put him in NXT UK for like a six month run, right? And just have him face like Walter and fucking the Coffees or whoever. Yep. And like fucking oh, and Dave Mastiff and all God, right? Like I, fights all fucking day. Yeah, like I. That's the only thing that makes any feasible sense because I, I don't think New Japan would have any interest. I think they might. I mean, listen, New not, Japan's not got quite as, a few guys that are in their mid fifties on their fucking roster. But I would say not as much as say three years ago when he was actually a hot commodity. Like I, like I would say, the fire was burning brighter for him three years ago than it is now. Right, but also you got to figure COVID happened. So the fire kind of extinguished a little bit. But I think that they could, if they did the right marketing with him in Japan, he'd be fucking, that he, could, he could be another Vader over there. And like, just imagine him and Minoru Suzuki. Fuck yes. <laughs> you know what? You remind me of something. Because I want to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, but we're going to table that for a second here. Okay. So I want to make sure I got this straight. Again, I have been gradually opening my arms to embrace AEW. I'm sorry. But you mean to tell me that because they fucked up their TV timing. It wasn't a thing. I, I... Work with me here. It wasn't a real thing. I know, but work with me here. They're turning. They're trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit that never was chicken shit is what it sounds like. Yes. So they they plan to cut off Suzuki's theme short. 
to have Mox come out like he usually does, Mox, we don't know if this was hard way, planned, whatever, but whatever, Minoru gets fucked up with his eye, Mox goes over in Cincy, now we have Suzuki-Goon suddenly slowly invading AEW with Murder Hawk, Lance Hoyt, who was already, or Lance Archer, who was already there. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you Lance Hoyt. That's 12 years ago. <laughs> um, they got Archer and Suzuki reuniting for a little Suzuki Goon reunion. Now they're going to fight Eddie and Mox in New York. And we created, we created an angle for no fucking reason out of somebody's theme music being cut off. Like, the they fuck created- are we doing here? Here, I'll tell you exactly what's going on. Oh, it's please, a- get to do it. It's AEW and Tony Khan's stupid ass catering to the fucking internet once again. Because what happens? The, let's not pay attention to the sponsors and to our overall numbers. Let's pay attention to what Twitter says during our fucking show. Right. And because a bunch of motherfuckers look, they cut off Kaze Ninare. Fuck off. If you haven't learned by now that AEW doesn't know how to structure a show and that's why they're always cutting the picture in picture at random ass times, fucking deal with it. But no, so they're like, you know something? Everyone's complaining about it. Let's turn this into an angle. Like, that's the dumbest shit ever. Like, I guarantee the original bit was just supposed to be Suzuki lost in Cincinnati. So now he wants a rematch and Archer wants to help him. And so they were going to send up from New York. But they had to add right. in this little bit because Twitter was fucking bitching. And that's the dumbest shit. Uh, I, I don't know. It just makes my brain fucking hurt. That's all I know. And how Mox or fucking Eddie Kingston has not fucking jumped on the thing of calling them the Suzuki goons once is just money left on the table. Oh, it'll come. Don't you worry. <laughs> so. Can uh, we talk um, about how some tables in AEW can break and others can't? Oh, yeah. Go ahead with that while I'm looking up something. So please go ahead. Jesus fuck. Hi. Powerhouse Hobbs. Rule number one to do in a table spot. You don't do it lengthwise. You do it Look, the other way. Look, the fucking table. Right. And then fucking Excalibur trying to cover it up. Oh, this is a loose site table. It doesn't break. Really? Because you got the same tables at ringside that fucking Mox put fucking Suzuki through at the end of the fucking show without a problem. Stupid motherfuckers. Like, (laughs) it's just like, uh, you know, I don't wish harm. I don't wish bodily harm on anyone. I'm like, damn, wouldn't that suck if you just paid all that fucking money for CM Punk and now it's back as fucked. Or, or, and like I said, I wouldn't wish, wish bodily harm on anyone. What if Punk just goes, you know something? I got the fucking money from this dude. Yeah, ow, ow, my back. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't work. Ow, ow, my back. Ow, my liver. Ow, my liver. Yeah. Oh, boy. I just, I... Yeah, there were fucking a couple of things. Terrible. I... There were a couple of things. And one more thing, powerhouse ops, powerhouse ops, no man that does not work in a field over the age of six should be wearing overalls. No one. <laughs> no, unless you are plowing a fucking field, 
You should not be wearing overalls. Where the fuck do you find overalls? I mean, it's a different look Seriously. than that, I guess. You you look like a, any man that wears overalls looks like a giant child. You can't look harsh wearing overalls. There was I that brief mind. time. There was that brief time in the early '90s when, like, Naughty by Nature were doing it, and it was okay for like five minutes, and then everyone was like, "No, we look like children." Like, <laughs> it's just about and okay, and that whole fucking one more thing. That whole fucking spot, fucking Taz's ugly ass son, fucking standing there trying to look harsh. Getting fucking telling like Jim Ross and Excalibur to fuck off and trying to toss the monitors off the table and can't even do it. He's like, get out, get out. Excalibur is supposedly a fucking worker. This kid weighs what, 100 pounds soaking wet? Yoink, boom. Not, oh no, I'm scared. Give me a fucking break. No believability whatsoever in that entire segment. I mean, he did put CM Punk in a dragon sleeper. That's a fuck. If I was you, could that right there was punk going paycheck. Yeah, sure. I'll let this hundred pound kid put me in a dragon sleeper. Paycheck. Like, oh, oh, and look, we're gonna hot shot fucking Danielson and Omega for ratings. Yeah, you know who used I, to do shit like that for ratings? WCW. Right there. I can't imagine what you're talking about. It's not like WCW booked a heavyweight title match less than a week in advance to try and fill seats in a football stadium when J.J. Dillon announced on Thunder what the match was going to be. Exactly. I have no idea what you're talking about. No idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But this is different because it's a non-title match. No idea what you're talking about. Yeah, no idea whatsoever. No, not at all. Um, all right. Plus, <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. They're taping Dynamite and and Rampage back to back in the same night, so it's going to be four hours long. So people aren't going to get out of that stadium until one o'clock in the morning. Oh, so Friday's show isn't even going to be live. No, it's going to be pre-taped. They're not doing two shows at Arthur Ashe. They're only doing one. I forgot about that. So, and that's what they, because that's what they've been doing. They've been taping Dynamite and Rampage at the same time. So, here's a little tip for anyone going to that fucking show. It's in Queens. There's another company used to run in Queens a lot. USA Pro. They used to have shows that went until like two in the fucking morning because they had like eight student shows on it, eight student matches on it because like they were the ticket sellers. Mm -hmm. Just letting you know, plan on your car being up on blocks when you walk outside. That's nice. That I fuck fair warning. There are so many people I knew that used to go to the old Fat Frank shows who would come out and their car would be broken into, their fucking wheels would be gone. Fucking it's it's Queens. You, your shit's gonna get stripped. Do not leave any valuables in your car. Do not leave any like fucking do, do, don't take take anything of value out of your car before you leave. Keep any cash or anything on you. Don't put anything in the trunk. They will pop your fucking trunk. <laughs> I 
Isn't your goal in life to sabotage AEW as much as possible on this show? No, I'm actually giving advice to people going to that show. Because I know what happens. Why don't they just talk to the people who went to the U.S. Open a few weeks ago and see what they think? U.S. Open happened during the day. Not all. It didn't end at 1 o'clock in the fucking morning. There were some matches that ended late enough. There's a difference. Trust me. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> the let's cops get patrol it for the fucking tenants. All right, let's 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 go make the uh, let's go make the flight across the the western pond, not our pond, the other pond. It's a long ass flight if we did a direct. Holy shit! Um, <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, you've been living under a rock. Um, G1 Climax 31 starts. Mm-hmm. This weekend, actually, it's probably starting as we're recording this on Friday afternoon, September seventeenth. Probably starting within the next twelve hours over there. Um, so twenty twenty competitors, A block, A A block, and B block. So let me just run through quick what we're looking at for this G one climax. The A block. Includes the following. Kota Ibushi. Ibushi. Wow. Holy shit. Kota Ibushi. There we go. Uh, the two-time winner from the last two years. 2019-2020. Current heavyweight champion Shingo Takagi. Naito. Zack Sabre Jr. Great Okan, who is uh, first-time... Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy. Oh, that's fucking weird. Wow. Um, I just saw a picture of him. Sorry. Uh, Toriano, <laughs> Ishii, Kenta, Tonga Loa. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I thought Tonk, wasn't he in? They're saying it's his debut appearance. Wasn't he in it, though, a few years ago? No, Tama Tonga was. Oh, uh, right, 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 right. Okay. And uh, Takahashi is also in the A block as well. Mm-hmm. E-Block, we're looking at Hanahashi, the current U.S. champ and former three-time winner. Okada, also a former two-time winner. Hiroki Goto, uh, won it back in 08, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yoshihashi, Sonata, Tai Chi, Jeff Cobb, Evil, Tamatanga, there we go, mm-hmm. and Chase Owens. Talk about throwing somebody a um. Who? Thoughts, opinions, predictions, anything you I'm, want to throw? With I'm not a fan of the champ in the U.S. champ being in it. Either one or both. Both. Like the heavyweight because... champ being in it though seems to be a theme recently. I know, and I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> oh, well, I agree with you. I'm just saying that's like that's just a thing they do. Why? Why not the U.S. cut I me? Mean, because the chip. Because the it's all about winning a shot at the world title. What's wrong with the U.S. champion in it? Because then that leads to another fucking unification. I mean, didn't they do this before though? With when um. Me right. think. With, Ta- with Tanahashi and, o- and Okada, yeah. 
where they unified the the the, the heavyweight and the intercontinental. Right. No, but I think wasn't um. Oh no, it had nothing to do with the G one. It's just for whatever reason they ha- oh they always have a once a year they always have the heavyweight and junior heavyweight champions go one on one. That's what it is. It's not. It wasn't yeah. a tournament thing. Yeah. Um, I. Uh... I don't think you would. I mean, given how the U.S. title has been booked the last two years, I mean, yeah, you could. But I don't think they would. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get. I don't think you're going to get that scenario, anyways. Yeah, but I don't see. I. I it's just, it's a tough call because. This is really a tough call. It's it's always like you you can weed out who won't win. Like for example, A Block. Let's just weed this out. Great Ocon, Toro Yano. Uh, I'll put Ishii in there. Tonga and Takahashi. Those five, I say, definitely are not going to win the A Block. Yeah. Which leaves Ibushi, Takagi, Naito, ZSJ. I'd knock out CSJ as well. Ibushi, Takagi, Naito, and Kenta. The reason I keep Kenta is because Bullet Club, fuck all else. Right. Um, it, it's the same guys as always in their main event. Like, New Japan's got right. to stay. Right. B Block, in my heart of hearts, I don't think Tanahashi wins, but I'll, we'll just say he's a contender. Okada. Really? Well, let me put it this way, okay? Because it feels like New Japan, they like they step on the gas a little bit with this guy and then lay off. Step on it and lay off it. They need to pick a fucking lane with Sonata. Yeah. Do you want to push this guy as a singles champ, or do you, or do you want to just push him as that guy that never quite gets there? Right. Like to me, either like pick a lane, either make him a fucking champion or just keep him as a tag team guy. Right. Don't keep fucking with him back and forth. Because I feel like they've been doing that for, God. A while. Five years? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've been fucking with him ever since back when they still had the Access TV deal when I could watch him every fucking week. Right. Like, like, they need to pick a fucking lane with Sonata. Yeah. Because for me, in ring, he has it. Personality, I'm. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but they need to fucking figure it out. They can't. They can't keep fucking circle jerking him. Like they need to pick one way or the other with him at this point. Um, I'd even say the same goes for evil. Like, what are you doing there? Um, right. There's like we put the unified title on him, and then like, yeah, whatever. We didn't do that. <laughs> right. Um, I'm surprised Suzuki isn't in the G1 at all. Like, if there's anyone who deserves a run at the top before he retires, it's fucking Minoru Suzuki. Has he ever been? Not that I know of. I'm going to look this up. I'm going to throw a name out there, and I just want to see. I'm not talking about winning the tournament, but I want to know what you think of it. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Cobb. Cobb's a dark horse. I think 
with the amount of time he's put in there, they should do something with him because otherwise he's wasting his time. I would rather, and honestly, I would rather see him fucking over in MLW playing fucking Matanza Cueto. So I am looking through title history, the IWGP Championship. It's back to 1987 with Antonio Inoki. <laughs> what? 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 What's wrong with there's, what I just said? There's a YouTube video where uh, that came out like a year or so ago. I think it was Cultaholic, where they ranked all of the um, all of the IG, uh, IWGP champions, and uh-huh. every time they reference fucking Inoki. They have this still of him from his WWE Hall of Fame acceptance speech of him like, ah, and they make it shake. So they're like, and they're like, blah, 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 Inoki, ah. <laughs> and it just makes me laugh. I'm sorry. Fujinami, wasn't he just put in the Hall of Fame last couple of years? I think so. I think Flair inducted him, didn't he? Anyways, I'm pretty sure yeah. Flair put him in. Vader, Muda, Hashimoto, a lot of Fujinami in here. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Sasaki, I don't remember that. Yeah. Um, Chono. <coughs> hmm. Scott Norton got 103 days as the champ. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, he had two. He had two runs. 103 yeah. days and 23 days. That's yeah. Whatever. Fucking whatever. Um. Do. Yeah, I'm not seeing any. Damn. Get the fuck out of here. Bob Sapp was the champion at one point. Get the fuck out of here. Man, that was a sad time in 2004. God damn. Um, yeah, I don't see any Minoru Suzuki on this list. Damn. Shinsuke Makabe. You know what's easier? If you actually just Wikipedia Minoru Suzuki and click Suzuki, on yeah, I, and accomplishments. I, I, I'm, I'm well aware. I know. I don't see. He's not on here at he all. He was I Intercontinental Tag, Openweight, and uh, G1 Tag League. That was it. It's pretty fucking sad. Exactly. So if anyone deserves a run before he retires, it's him. How long ago was the Intercontinental Champion? <laughs> All right, pop quiz. Who was the first ever Intercontinental Champion, by the way? MVP. Wow, look at you. Look at the big brain on JJ. <laughs> Suzuki, he beat Tanahashi. Uh, oh, right. 2018, that's right. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yep. Oh, Elgin held the belt at one point. Uh-huh. How about that? Uh-huh. I think right around the time I actually started watching was around the time Elgin. How about that? Yeah, it sounds like right around the time I started watching New Japan. Like it was 2016, so. Yeah, that sounds about right. If I had, if I had to really go out on a limb, not out on a limb, but if I had to really make picks here, 
And I'm just not, I just don't see them having Takagi or Tanahashi go to the final. I feel like it's going to be fucking Ibushi and Okada all over again. Yeah, I mean, I'd say Naito maybe as an outside shot. Um, if they really want Bullet Club to come to the forefront, I mean, Kenta could be a good choice as well. Bullet um, Club's doing their own thing with breaking off into 18 different versions of it again. Right, uh, which bugs the hell out of me. And then mm-hmm. again, I think Sonata either fucking... Either... Let him get on the horse or tell him to go ride the tag team horse again. Right. Go do one or the other. Exactly. I don't know. That's, but that all starts over the weekend. Also, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, New Japan, under their New Japan Strong umbrella, uh-huh. yep. they, they announced touring events in the U.S. in the next few months. One of them being really? a two, two nights in Philly at the 2300 Arena. I don't know if you've seen some of the matches book, but just to I know the main event. Night one, we have Dickinson and Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> yes. Night two, they've booked Alex. Like I mentioned, Alex Zane. There we go again. Versus fucking uh, Will Ospreay. Against your best friend, Will Ospreay. And that's why I won't go. Tonight, two. You have to buy both nights. Oh, they're making you buy, really? It's a package. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Hold on. Oh, are they really? As far as I knew. Where's the... Oh, tickets on sale now. Yeah, click on the fucking link there, Brian. Let me <laughs> see this. Battle... What the fuck is Battleground... I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Battleground Championship Wrestling. Whatever. Oh, that's... um. That's actually uh, um, the, one of the one of the, one of the Samoans. I think Alpha Jr. actually books that right now. Oh. New Japan Showdown 1. More info. That's fucking helpful. Way to go, 2300 Arena. <laughs> just click on buy ticks for the first night and see what happens here. Hang on. Just out of curiosity. Let's do... Oh, they even give you a map right there. <laughs> Fancy schmancy. I mean, there's not uh, a bad seat in the arena. Let's do what's considered floor C, B, and A. Everything's a floor seat. Well, yeah, but I'm just trying to see. Oh, so it's just, okay. I almost would want to be opposite the ramp, I would think, right? Like I said, there's not a bad seat in the place. Let's just do, Jesus, 69 bucks a ticket. I mean, it is New Japan. I can't get mad at that. Yeah. All right, so let's just see here. Quick pick tickets. Let's do that. I mean, it's letting me look at... It's allowing me to put together tickets for just the one, for just the first night. Northwest seats three through five. Oh, that'd be okay. right next. To, oh, that'd actually be a pretty good seat. Well, not really, because you're basically facing the fucking turnbuckle post. It's not terrible, though. Yeah. Hmm. 
So yeah, so basically, if you go with, I just picked floor B as a section, for example. Look at that 150. Not bad, actually. Jesus. I mean, because it's New Japan, so... I, mean, I know. And as much as I want to see Dickinson versus Suzuki, I'm not paying that much. Right. Floor A. But yeah, but they, they're fucking Will Ospreay is the reason I canceled, I canceled my fucking NJPW subscription. Like, as long as he's on their fucking shit, I'm not paying for it. Understood. And we've gone through why, so I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna push on that. But yeah, I mean, that'd be that'll be great to go to. I'm trying to think of what else I know they, I think they schedule like a Dallas show, I want to say. Probably. Um, I'm trying to remember where else. Let me try to pull up this schedule here. Yeah, because the strong shows they usually do smaller venues. Because it's you. That's the other thing with the strong shows is you're going to get a lot of young boys matches, like a lot of students. Which I'm, I'm okay with that. Um. Yeah, like I'm, I'm okay with that. I wouldn't be mad at it. Um, I, I wouldn't be mad at it if I wasn't paying a hundred dollars for to fucking be there. Fair enough. All right, so they actually, they actually have a show coming up this weekend in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, then they have, then they're taping uh, strong next week. Yeah, they're in Garland, Texas next weekend. Then they're in Philly the middle of October. Uh, what else? There's any other U.S. shows booked here? Now we're going into November. I want to say I saw a November. Oh yeah, November there in San Jose, hmm. uh, and and then they're doing a and a uh, New Japan Strong taping in Riverside. Yeah. All right. We've been delaying this long enough. Let's let's just let's just get into it because we got we got some shit to talk about. <laughs> with WWE. We got some shit to talk about. <clears throat> I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you on this, but I need you to back up a statement I saw you make over the past week. Okay. You made a statement, and this is me paraphrasing it. You essentially said Biggie is the closest thing this generation has to Dusty Rhodes. Yep. I would like you to lay out your... Again, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's just I found the quote interesting and I wanted to allow you to state your case here on the podcast for everyone to listen and see. So go ahead. So you need to look at the ilk of the character himself. Biggie, when he first was in the eyes of the WWE audience, not counting his time in NXT, it was big jacked black guy who didn't say anything, really didn't have any personality. Until that one first time where they let him grab a microphone and he started talking like Howard Cosell. Biggie has shown throughout the years the amount of personality he has. And people say, oh, he's too much of a goofball. If you take the promos that Biggie cuts and then go back and look at the shit that Dusty did in Florida, not in not in Georgia, in Florida, it's the same vibe. It's the same energy. It's a matter of the swagger. And just getting the crowd to like him and just that 
just that infectious smile and that infectious laugh. And even, you know, like if you want to compare his stuff in, in, uh, you know, in NWA with Flair and the Horseman, where he got a little more serious and the whole son of a plumber bit and everything. Biggie is someone that relates to people. Um, if you watch his 24 on, on, on the Peacock, I want to say on the network, on the Peacock, and see all the shit that he went through in his life about how he was going to be a college football star and got fucked. Like, he has gone through a lot in his life, and he is he is the common man. He's not just this kid that was this great physical specimen and got everything handed to him. He was a great physical specimen that had to keep overcoming shit. And people love him. Like, as, as much as the internet wants to bitch... People fucking love Big E and the fact that the whole run of the New Day has shown that the three of them, especially like you will not find a more cohesive unit than the three of them, both just not I'm not talking ring wise, I'm talking in life, the the bond of friendship that they all have and the fact that each of them elevates the other person to success. And he's just, he's there. You can't help but smile when you see him come out. And he's, st and he's still got some longevity to him. Like wins his first title. I guarantee, I guarantee he's got, he's got at least another decade left in him at least. And the amount of energy that he has, you're going to see a lot from him. I, I, I don't think he's pulled everything out of his trunk yet. And so yeah, he he just he reminds me of Dusty. Like you see him, you feel that energy, you put your hand to the screen. He's Dusty. I want your hand touching my hand. Exactly. Oh man. Wow. You you really pulled out that line of the promo. Okay. Um sorry. Um so I'll ask you about the cash in in a second because obviously that's one of the big headlines in the past week. Mm -hmm. um, but here's an interesting note I just wanted to bring up quick. Mm -hmm. Biggie, the fourth African American WWE champion. Mm -hmm. This is the first time. Yep. That it went from a black man to a black man. Yep. Like in 2021, and this, I'm not, I don't want to make it negative, but I'm going to for a quick second. In 2021, that shouldn't be big a milestone. News. Yeah, I know. But it goes to show you what the fuck's been going on in that company for a long time. Yeah. This is not me accusing anyone. It's just it's the way things have worked out. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. Yeah. So let's get into the whole handling of the cash-in. Because here's basically what we went from. We went from E went in the case to Baron Corbin fuck with him for a few weeks about the case and stealing it and then him winning it back in the pre-show of SummerSlam mm -hmm. to 
Biggie being his goofy ass self backstage teasing Paul Heyman with the briefcase for a few weeks. Right. Including last week on SmackDown when all the shit was going down with Roman and Brock and and, uh, and eventually Finn at the end of the yeah. show, which we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah. To then all of a sudden, on Monday morning, I wake up to tweets about Big E saying, I'm coming raw tonight. I'm going to cash this bitch in. Skill of one to ten between the planning, the presentation, and execution. That being like how the categories used to scale the grading. Scale of one to ten, how do you think this was done by WWE? I think it was solid seven. I think the night of execution was very good. Yeah. The only thing, and this is just being nitpicky because, you know, that's how everybody is in 2021. <laughs> Obviously, it would have been great to have a surprise element to it and not have it pre-announced. That's the only True. nitpicky thing. But in the end, which, what they did was you had people go, oh, oh. And now you got people thinking about that entire night. Yeah. And you got people potentially because when you look at ratings, there's different statistics you can take out of the ratings. You're getting ratings for the overall show, ratings based on demographics, both age. I don't think they can do race, but at least with age. Yeah. Um, the house, like breakdown of households in each TV market, they break it down by quarter hour, which I'm sure is a popular thing. Wrestling fans I've heard about before is the quarter hour ratings. Mm -hmm. But what you can also measure, and this is something that um, I've known for a long time. I'm sure you've known about it too. I know about it because I used to work in radio. So TV ratings and radio ratings are relatively similar in the way they work. Yep. You could they also rate out the average length of duration of tuning into a broadcast. Right. So essentially what WWE did by doing this morning of is and again I don't I don't know the numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but they basically were saying, okay, let's tease this. Let's set up the opening segment to be Randy, E, and Bobby. Yeah. And now make people stick around yeah. to see if it really happens and when it really happens. Right. Um, so to me, execution on point, especially from a numbers perspective behind the scenes, completely on point. Mm -hmm. um, the opening segment, I wouldn't say it was a 10 out of 10, but it, was, it did the job. I don't think it was necessary to – now, obviously, they're a package deal at this point, but I feel like for that segment, Riddle just took up space. Yeah. And it, it was more distracting than anything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm like, I'm surprised. Like I was sitting there going, imagine if, cause the second Randy hit him with the, with the RKO, I'm like, they can just have E pin him right now. But luckily they didn't go that route. Right. Um, yeah, that, that, that would have been very flat. Yes. If they had gone that route, we'd be trashing them right now. Right. 
Same thing um, with uh, same thing with the actual cash in itself was they were smart to have one match finish, then do the cash in rather than do the I'm making this a three way bullshit right. and have fucking Biggie pin fucking Orton and be like he never pinned the champ. Essentially, WrestleMania 31 all over again. Um, right. right. The only thing that kind of threw me off for a second, and Cornette mentioned this on his podcast this week. Is at the very beginning of the cash in match. Why? And this body is body limping. No, no, oh, okay, not that, not that. And this is me maybe delving too deep into the wrestling psychology of it. Why is the face slapping around the heel? To get the heel to be like, all right, yeah, fuck you, ring the bell. Like, in a way, I, I guess what they were trying to do is make Lashley look cowardly, but it's hard to make a guy 275 pounds look cowardly. So what's the fucking point of even doing that to begin with, I guess, is because where, it's, where I am. It's this weird thing that they've done with Lashley his entire reign, where he's supposed to be a monster, yet he still does chicken shit stuff. And I think which doesn't was, work with a two hundred eighty pound guy. I agree. So, like those MVP, okay, because he's diminutive compared to Biggie, but it's fucking Bobby Lashley. Right. As much as we don't like him, he's a big fucker. Right. I also think it had something to do with just the fact that Lashley just had a match. Lashley was hurt, and you know, hurt, and quote unquote. Yeah, and. Just to have Big E be like, oh, what, you're going to be a pussy and run away? Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I personally was not a fan. Be a man. I mean, I, I mean, again, I wasn't, it didn't bother me. It was just something that I, like. Yeah, I know. Call me a little off guard. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Um. All in all, I mean. You got what you, you get what you can out of a cash in match. You know it's not going to be a fucking Broadway, but you also know it's not going to be fucking Becky Bianca right. twenty six seconds. Right. Um, at least you don't think it's going to be. Yeah. The crowd was uh, hot for it. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah, Shell, uh, Shell, and Carol were actually there, uh, and I guess uh, it seems like they actually kind of muffled the crowd reaction on TV. Really. Hmm. Hmm. It's a little odd. It's a little yeah. odd. Um, where else is it going to go with this? Oh, um, yeah. And then the, the way this show, I mean, you can't go wrong with the way they had it end with uh, Kofi and Creed running in. Right. You know, it was it was nice. But now that that leads to question. Okay, I'm gonna ask the question that has been brought up throughout the week, and I don't have a I don't I have a, an answer for it, but it's not one I don't think anyone wants to hear. Now everybody suddenly is asking, when is it Creed's turn? I mean, yeah, that's exactly the same reaction I had. I'm like, love the dude, love him. Not <laughs> exactly, a man exactly, love him. Great character. Could be a great mid-card champ. Could be a great right. U.S. champ, potentially, or an IC champ. Right. World title. Uh, I, I mean, think, as it is. Unless, Kofi, his unless it's a character change at some point. 
Maybe. Unless he suddenly has a more serious change to his character and isn't as goofy as he's been the last six years, maybe. Right. But until but I mean, then... Ah. As it is, Kofi really should have never been champ. And I don't think... And look, to be real... Nah, because this is going to sound really weird. Because hypothetically, anybody who gets in the business wants to be the best of the best of the best. Right. They want to be the guy. But there are guys who know their worth, know yeah. their spot, and know where they'd be best used as a talent. I don't think he needs to or wants to be in that spot. Right. Like he understands his role and he's perfectly fine with it. Yeah. So to me, I don't think he needs the belt. It's very, it's kind of the mentality of, and this is me kind of blowing the analogy out of proportion, but it, it'll make sense in a second. It's kind of like the guys like Taker who had enough character where you didn't have to put the belt on them but there were just occasions where it just worked for the story they were telling with Taker. Right. Now, I'm not saying they're ever going to tell a story where putting the belt on Creed is going to, or Woods, whatever the fuck you want to call him. <laughs> um, I'm not saying there's ever going to be a storyline where putting the belt on him would make sense for a storyline, no. but he's that guy that has so much character and charisma, he doesn't need that. Like, another example. Dusty, when he was in WWE. Right. He never needed it. He never needed it. Right. Because he was going to get pops no matter what. He was going to have the people behind him no matter what. Um, fuck, who else? God, there's so, there, I mean, there's so many if you go back through. I mean, I think it's, I think it was kind of telltale with uh, fucking uh, at SummerSlam with Woods doing the whole fucking Scott Hall bit. Yeah. Scott Hall never held the world title. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Um, all right. Was there anything else from Raw? Give me two seconds. Let me look at my notes here. Um, yeah, I mean nothing. Nothing else from Raw really popped me. So let me go backwards before we move forwards. Okay. I go backwards to the SmackDown the weekend before. Okay. Um. They are trying really hard to do something that isn't going to happen. Yep. Do you know where I'm going with this? Trying to make Brock a baby face? Good one. I like it. I wasn't thinking of that, but I like it. We'll get, but we'll come back to that in a second. Same thing, different person. So think for me. Who else are they trying to do the same thing with in, in a storyline right now? Corbin? Nope. No. I, nope. I didn't catch most of SmackDown, so you're going to have to feed me this one. <laughs> They're trying like hell to make Be Becky Lynch a heel, and it's not. Oh, yeah. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to make her like Conor McGregor. Yeah. It's not going to fucking work. Yeah. Like, people, like, it, let, me, let me put this out there. There's two kinds of swag. There's the swag where people just want to. Punch you in the fucking face, a la Conor McGregor, really, or Jake Paul or Logan Paul. Yeah, just to give a more recent example. Yeah, 
Then there's the kind of swag that's infectious. Becky has an infectious kind of swag dating back to when she first started all the man shit a few years ago. Uh You're not going to make that swag suddenly draw booze when all the crowd wants to do is cheer. Just embrace the fact you accidentally booked yourself in a baby face versus baby face and let it go. And if you really want to have somebody come in there and heal shit up, fucking bring Sasha back from whatever the fuck is going on with her right now. Bring her back into the fold and then just pray to God you can hold on until Bailey's back healthy. Yeah. Like that's essentially what they've cornered themselves into right now. Right. Now, granted, you have the draft coming up, which again we'll get to in a moment. But that's just the way they corner themselves. And there's right. nowhere else to go except just let it go. Let it be what it's going to be. Let Extreme Rules play itself out and then regroup from there. Right. I just, I, I, I like, they're, they're trying to force feed something that is not going to work and they just need to stop. Right. Well, um, just like, it's like how they just fucking randomly a couple of weeks ago flipped Natty and Tamina heel with no reason. And like their whole thing, their whole build was that fucking. You know, the second generation girls who kept getting overlooked and they finally got the titles and oh my God, and it's the big Cinderella story and then not fuck it, we're heels. Right. And now they're like, fuck it, we're second generation girls. We're too good for everyone else is what they've turned into essentially. They they perform the cardinal sin for me. And that's like the one, the biggest pet peeve I have in wrestling always has been, always will be the mid title run heel turn. It's a bit odd. Just to say the least. Never works. It also doesn't help that they had Natty and Tamina lose to a pair of the way they're booked babyface teams in the last month in Tegan and Shotzi, as well as Rhea and Nikki. Right. So, again, so they've done it to basically two thirds of their women's championships where they put themselves, actually, really, they've done it with all three. Yeah. Because as much as Charlotte's supposed to be a heel, Players don't always get naturally booed everywhere they go. True. You're going to have cities where Charlotte walks in and people go fucking nuts for her. Um, They need need to fucking take the title off Charlotte and not put it back on her for a good long time. That's the fucking problem. They keep throwing the fucking belt on her. Like, yeah, Yeah. it's the writers keep because all the writers that are there who never watched wrestling growing up here. Ric Flair is a 16-time world champion. Yeah, motherfucker, that was 16 title reigns over 25 fucking years. Right. Right. Yeah, I just... I I don't know. Like, the, every, everything... I'm not saying... I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. There is... Constantly a lack of consistency and creative when it comes to women's division yes. matches. Yes. And it pains me because there's all this talent in the world that they have within their women's division. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like the most creative they can get is either Ric Flair banging a chick 35 years younger than him <laughs> or the chick getting pregnant and she suddenly disappears. Right. Like that's the most creative they fucking get. And it's like, dude, like, it doesn't always, like, sex sold 25 years ago, not in 2021. Right. Like, think beyond it. I just, I don't know. That just bugs the shit out of me. Um, 
We'll get to Bloodline and Brock in a second, but there's one other thing I do want to bring up. Did they really have to go the whole route of the neck thing again with Edge and Rollins? They run out of ideas. Thank you. Like This is basically their way of saying, Seth, we know you have all the charisma in the world. Edge, we know you're one of the greatest workers of a modern time. But this is what the bone we're going to throw you. Like, you have to think Seth and, and Edge were both like, fine, fuck it, whatever. Like, right. it, because there's there's so much more to offer with Seth other than leaning on the neck gimmick with Edge. Uh-huh. There's so much fucking more there. Like, if you want, now that, and this might be a little bit much, but with Tommy End going. And over in AEW, you could take Seth so much darker if you wanted to right now. They could. Because he has the ability to do that if you want to. Because he's already kind of towing the line of wanting to go there in a way. But now you've basically just made him the goofy version of that. Who just suddenly has like, I don't know, like... I feel like what they like. Did I don't know was, where they're going with this, like, because because they're so, basically making him the guy that that's goofy and happy-go-lucky when he's talking, but then when he gets a match, all of a sudden, like, there's a switch, yeah, and he's like a totally different person. Like, I don't, like I'm trying to think of the mental condition that is, and I'm, I'm just going hard. Bipolar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> bipolar. Thank you. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I knew I, I was something. I, yeah, like. It's almost like they're trying to make the in-ring version of Seth Rollins the personality they were trying to push on uh, oh, the bad gimmick they were doing with Elias and uh, Riker. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck off. That doesn't have, like, you're, like, that's a little touchy. Like, I don't know, man. That's just, I don't know what they're doing. Basically, what the, because... They needed a way to write Edge off so that they don't have to hot shot the rubber match. They're going to hold that off until the beginning of next year. So in the meantime, they had to do something to take Edge off TV. And they're probably going to send Rollins over to Monday nights again because SmackDown already has a top heel. Rollins can't be in that position, especially with fucking Brock there. Like... They're just going to send him over to Mondays so that he can be top heel there. And they'll go back to the Monday Night Messiah bullshit. I don't know. I'm, and I don't know if we're going to have time to get to the draft. Might have to hold off until next episode because. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The draft is until the first weekend of October anyway, so right. we'll hold off on that till next episode, but like there, there's a lot of different directions this draft could go, and I'm not sure if I like any of them. Yeah. But but you know, the I'm glad we have another week to dissect this because I feel like I feel like we both kinda need a week to figure out where we think things are gonna go. Mm-hmm. Um which brings me to Bloodline, Brock, and Finn. Now, first off, let me put it this way. Unless you're living under a rock, if you didn't know the week before the way they went off the air with that red yeah. and white flash and the dun dun, if you didn't know that was the appearance of demon coming, then you're a fucking idiot. Because yeah. I saw that coming from a mile away. People were like, oh my god, that was just started proxy. I'm like, no. 
No. No. That was that that was demon. Like like I knew it when it finally fucking saw it on TV. I'm like, no motherfuckers. That's the start of the demon theme. Fuck off. But anyways, um <sighs> you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna I'm that's it. That's it. I'm going to fucking say it. Fuck off with Roman and Brock. (laughs) I agree. But it's worse this time. Yes, it is. Not only fuck off with Roman and Brock, fuck off with Roman, Brock, and Saudi blood money. What the fuck are we doing? (laughs) And, and, and... And now you're essentially saying fuck Finn because there's no motherfucking way you are letting that match go to Saudi without the belt on Roman. You're not. Hypothetically, you could. Demon wins by DQ. But let's be real. It's not happening. It's not fucking happening. Agreed. You just basically took any potential surprise factor out of Extreme Rules and said, fuck you, Finn. Roman's bringing the belt to Saudi because money. Yep. Like, oh, like, how many times do we need to see Roman and Brock until we can Man. finally say, you know what? We've seen enough. It was bad the first time. It was even worse the second time. Terrible the third. And now they're going to take it overseas. And yeah. get jet lagged. Yep. And try to do it in front of the Saudi princes. Motherfuckers. <sighs> and now suddenly we're putting Paul Heyman in the middle of the whole fucking thing. Yep. Because reasons. Because lulls. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. Because Vince loves counting money with Saudi blood all over it. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, why are we doing this? Cuz. And since when the bloodline turned into three three jerk off reminders of Oni Lorkin with the ones in the in the air. What are we mm. doing here? Ah. Way to take Oni's gimmick. Thank you. Fuck off. <laughs> Maybe that's foreshadowing. Yeah, because Oni fits right in with three Samoans. No. Yeah. No. Fucking uh Oni and Danny get popped up during the draft. We're going to fight them. They, the creative team would never be that fucking smart. <laughs> what? The, the subtle creative? No, no. Yeah, this, that never happens. There's no such thing as subtle creative anymore. There's force feed it down our throats creative. Yep. Um, I just, I've, I have nothing. I, I've, I've got nothing. Um. <laughs> but oh, there's. I'll, I will give one slightly funny thing. Is it me, or when Roman came in at the end of SmackDown, was he choking out Ford like he owed him some lunch money, or was it just me? <laughs> like that. I. Like I think we can both agree that we love Montez. And we, we love uh, 
the prophets. Yeah. But Roman, he that shit was on way too long. <laughs> like Montez done been dead for like 15 seconds, and Roman just kept it on and kept it on. Like yeah, I don't know if he was trying, like a monster. I don't know if he was just trying to fill shit out, fill shit out until he knew TV was up or Maybe. but I think it's just Roman got to look like a monster with rock back. I don't know. It's weird. Just weird. All right. Now let's let's shift gears back again. I know we're almost at the two hour mark, but we do have to talk about NXT. Because there are a few talking points I need to bring up. Number one, even though they just trademarked it, calling it NXT 2.0. Not a fan. It sounds like you're making it. uh, You're going to do AOL names from now on. We're going to make it version 3.0. Especially because it is 3.0. Like, oh, that, yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes. right there. They fucked up. Nuts. Oh. By the way, I didn't even think of this until I saw a goddamn image about it the night of the show. Do you, think about this. The night NXT really became NXT as we became, as we came to know it recently. You know what the main event of that that show was? What? It was a four-way for the NXT title. Mm-hmm. Pac, Sammy, mm-hmm. uh, Tyson Kidd, yep. and... Uh, Wasn't about Dallas? Yes. Just put it out there. Slight coincidence. I'm sure Vince had no fucking clue, but just oh, no. put it out there. No. Um, here's that's the first thing I wanted to bring up. Number two, because lulls again, you've been slowly building a Raquel Frankie Monet match. You book it the week before for the debut of NXT 2.0, and then you decide, fuck it, let's shit-can the match. Because lulls. Ah, maybe they feel like they need more build. What's more build? Raquel putting Robert Stone through a table? Which I would love, yeah, but... I mean, they didn't really have much build other than like twice like Frankie Monet going, I deserve the title. Which like that's all back, they had. Which goes back to women's creative having nothing to do. Right. <sighs> Number three. And I know you and I had some disagreement to it. If NXT 2.0 is going to continue being formatted like the debut show was this past week, it's gonna irk the shit out of me. <laughs> and you, 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 we just—I mentioned this to you, so you know what I'm about to say. They basically formatted, and I'm looking at this list of matches real quick, or list of segments. They essentially formatted. The first hour and a half of the two-hour show, like NWA Power has been booking their shows. Or actually, really, they booked the first hour and 45 minutes of it like NWA Power, and then they happen to have a wedding at the end of the show. 
Well, you know, people keep saying that, you know, NWA power is that old school, like, studio shit that they, that they want to see, so. So that's basically what they did. They took NWA power, added brighter colors, and called it NXT 2.0. It's essentially what they did. Now, for those of you who don't understand the format, what I mean by that, and or don't watch NWA power regularly, at least this was the formatting pre-COVID. I'm not sure if it's changed since then. Because I know they've also changed name to Impact or something else, power? yeah. Empower no, or something, something like that. Else now it's like but, lightning or something now. <laughs> yeah, I don't fucking know. But yeah, because it can't be thunder. Cannot be thunder. Um, subtle WCW mention. Um, basically, the way that show was formatted. Jobber match, jobber match, jobber match, jobber match. Interview, jobber match, jobber match, interview, jobber match, interview, main event. Roughly speaking, that's how they formatted every fucking taping. It was a bunch of jobber matches for the first three quarters of the show with your backstage and interview segments mixed in. And then they had a main event, which usually went 10 to 15 tops. It's essentially the same thing you saw if you tuned into NXT 2.0's debut. You had LA Knight versus Braun Breaker, because God forbid we even mention directly that he's Rick Steiner's son. No, no. You can drop a dog-faced gremlin mention in the middle of your commentary, but don't outright say he's Rick Steiner's son. Fuck that. There's three guys who appeared on that show that were all second generation that were not called by their given name. Right, Rick Steiner's son. Um, wait, hold on. Um, fuck. I fucking read this too, and I, I had it in my head. Um, oh, Matt. Um, A Train. Don't like. I can't think of his real name. A Train's no, son. He's not A Train's son. He's Wayne Bloom's son. Oh, Wayne. Wait, Wayne Bloom. Destruction Crew. Blake That's what Bev- I thought. Bo Beverly. Bo Beverly. That's what I thought. Bo Beverly. Yeah, okay. I thought the name yeah. sounded familiar. Okay. Um, yeah. And then... Uh, was there a Rotunda? Or my... F- Briggs' tag partner is... Bro- uh, Briggs' partner is Bull Buchanan's son. Bull Buchanan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. Um, but we can't mention any of that. No. No. Because, Fuck that. Because... And I'm telling you this, the reason they're doing that now is so they, if there's, there's two reasons for it. One, they don't work out. It makes it easier to cut them. So nobody knows. And if they do work out, they can fucking pull that plug when they get to the main roster and say, second generation. Kind of understand, but I don't know. The rock is flexing. Havana. I'm just saying. They did not say anything about him being part of a fucking Samoan lineage until he made it to the main roster. Because he was in USWA for... Doesn't matter. And USWA had nothing to do... Well, tech... Yeah, it was was developmental. Whether you want to admit it or not, it was developmental. Um, any hooser. So you had that match in the beginning. Then you had Eichner and Bartel with the Briggs match you just mentioned. Um, the which only thing that irks me about that is Josh Briggs hasn't had a win yet. 
Well, not only that. And this is another weird thing that happens with the NWA power format is that even if guys are heel, some of them get cheered in that studio format somehow. And that's what yeah. acts. I don't know if it accidentally happened, but that's kind of what happened here in this match was you saw Eichner and Bartel getting cheered. Yeah. So I don't know if either a that was instructed and Briggs and Jensen did a good job with that. Or if Briggs is really that fucking awful of a face and completely fucked up on that. It's I don't know what the, last, it's, the only appearances Briggs has made has been as a heel. So you have them come out first and the crowd automatically thinks these guys are the heels. So then fucking Imperium comes out. They're like, oh, they must be the baby faces. That was the problem. That so it was, it was a bad don't know how to fucking think. Yes. Um, then you have BFAB put on. Let me. Everyone's got to start I'll, somewhere. But they're not going to have a five star classic right out the gate. Right, 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 right. But there is such a thing as being TV ready for a match. Yeah. And that was not a TV ready match. That was. Like, I could understand somebody looking green at, at points in a debut, but that whole match was smeared in green. Yeah. Like, somebody who took a shit that lacks iron, like, green <laughs> shit. Like, that's... And if you don't get the medical reference, go WebMD it. If, if, you, if you have a diet that lacks a lot of iron, you, you shit green. Just letting you know. It's, it's a medical fact, and... And I think I just taught JJ something where he knew that and he's just laughing that I even brought it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, then we have this really weird Carmelo seg interview segment with Trick Williams being introduced. And Trick, I said this right away to you. Thank God Carmelo was in the fucking ring because Trick yeah. got fucking lost yeah. in that promo. Yeah. Um, and then Melo covered his ass. And then you right. had the whole Duke Hudson interaction. I'm like, right, which like, I'm not sure what's going on there. Because Melo's a face, Hudson's a fucking eel. And then Trick like, tried to do with this. Turn. Right. Like, there's other the ways is, to put an edge on a face character. I'm not sure that was the right way. Yeah. See, as far you know how people complain that you know now Vince is just going to push big guys and blah 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 blah. The only, this is one of the occurrences where I see that happening because I don't care how many times you repackage Brandon Bink, no one's going to give a fuck about him. Yeah. Like they uh, gave him, they gave him a main roster run with MVP as his manager, but nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then we had like a three tag that turned into a six win. Yeah, yeah, it was like that. Was, like a, the only thing I could think of during that whole team. thing, the only thing I could think of during that was this is the shit that will not end. It just goes on and on. Like I don't know why, but Casey and Kaden don't do it for me. First of all. See, they've grown on me. Like, like charisma-wise, okay. Just, but their actual matches, I don't know. I'm just, 
I feel like some, there's something lacking. I can't pinpoint what, but there's just something that's off to me with them. Um, and then Saray was like the odd woman out of the whole thing. Like, she, like I guess she was yeah. part of the Mandy thing, but like, I feel bad for her. Because then you have Gigi and JC and ooh, Mandy dyed her hair brunette. Good for her. Like, More like Mandy let the dye go out of her hair. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, then we had we had Ridge Holland lose to Tommaso and then come out and take out his anchor on Drake Maverick the next week. That's nice. Um, then we had the Green Brothers, I mean the Creed Brothers um, they should not be on TV. They are. Oh, we discussed that last week. It's, they it's are just too fucking rough. Like they um, need to slow the fuck down. Right. And then obviously they're trying to set up O'Reilly and Dunn and Holland because of what happened backstage during the show to take O'Reilly out of the title match. That's where Von Wagner comes in the fold against Dunn, Champa, and Nitsch. Champa gets the win. It's Goldie 2.0. Blah, blah, blah. That shit scared me for a little bit. What shit scared you? I was sitting there going, don't do the stupid thing. Don't do the stupid thing. Every time Von Wagner hit a big move, I'm like, don't do the stupid thing. So, and here's <laughs> That's the one part of the show that scared me. I was afraid. <laughs> I was afraid just a little bit that they were going to take that title and put it in Great White Collie. You're an asshole. But, so... What? Here, here's the breakdown I had of, of the end. Because I'm pretty sure I pinpointed it. Essentially what happened was LA Knight got Olympic slammed. Let's just call it what it was. It was a fucking Olympic slam by Von Wagner. Yeah. And from what I saw... Oh, I can't even pinpoint whose fault it is. It's just a case of weird landing. L.A. Knight's head didn't clear high enough for Vaughn's head to hit the like Vaughn's head to have its own space of the mat when they fell back. So the yeah. top of Vaughn's the the top of Vaughn's head ended up catching Knight when they hit the mat, and that busted Knight open. That's what I essentially think happened. Um, and then whatever led up to the, the ending. Uh, I think out of the directions you could have gone, given the way things fell into place that night, I think Tommaso was Absolutely. one of only two correct moves. The only one might have been Pete Dunn, but I think the best move right. was Tommaso. I'm pretty sure they, they decided to swerve everyone because of the fact that um, it was announced earlier in the day that Dunn just signed a three-year contract with the E. Right, so, so they were. Everyone was like, "Oh, they're going to put the title on Pete Dunn." I no think bitch. Tommaso is the. Yeah, I think Tommaso is the smartest move because what they can do now is they can build the company, they can rebuild the brand around Tommaso being the champ and having all the young guys getting hungry and all the young guys getting cocky, and then here's old man Champa going, "No, go ahead." You know what else they can do? What? What's one of the hotter things that Tommaso did in the last 12 months? 
the fight pit. Keep going. What the shit with Thatcher? Oh, I had him and T Thatcher have a feud. Yeah. Now you can revisit that without doing anything awkward creatively. You can just naturally do it with the belt involved. Yes, exactly. I mean, there's a bunch of ways. Has me all kinds of excited, if you ask me. But go ahead. Right. You can take you can take the NXT old guard, for lack of a better term, they're still there, and have them have programs with Tommaso while young guys are getting built, and then have the young guys come in because I'm sorry, but every it's the same group of people that were all doom and gloom and, and, and RIP NXT before the show even aired that are the same people afterwards going, well, it's obvious Tommaso's just going to be a transitional champion and drop it to Braun Breaker. No. no. Uh, not necessarily. Like, like, no. Just because the dude at the end went, I want to belt, doesn't mean that's going to fucking happen. Plus, I, too soon. Way too fucking soon. Exactly. Like, Trips will be back at the helm within the next couple of weeks. And there there won't be 80,000 rewrites before the show goes on. And Trips will... And, and if they say, this is the formula we need from you, Trips will follow it. And we'll still have our tried and true favorites there, whoever doesn't go up in the draft. Yep. And now they have the time to build the new stars. And the thing is, for the most part, Mm-hmm. The newer people they brought out and showcased in the show have potential. Not negating the fucking Creed brothers and fucking uh, uh, great white Kali. Uh, <laughs> so I have a question. Okay. This is, this is the only draft related question I'm going to bring up because I had a note about this and then we'll get, then we'll wrap the show. Okay. Johnny Wrestling's contract is up in early December. Ooh. Which brings me to this question. Given the fact his wife is out of work till further notice because of the baby. Right. Do you think as a token of appreciation... Not to say he hasn't earned it, but I'm just saying, figuratively, as a token of appreciation. Do you think he gets drafted and then renegotiated as a main roster? I do. I don't and think then when Johnny Candace comes back, she can come back. I mean, you can you can slip Candace right in with Johnny anytime you want. Exactly. I think Johnny, like as much as like some people dog on Johnny, like Johnny, Johnny has that ability to be on the main roster. I could see him doing great things on fucking SmackDown. Just imagine a feud between him and Chad Gable. Just imagine him feuding with Nakamura for the fucking Intercontinental. Well, like, yeah, and not, that'll work. And not even that. I think Johnny's character work has developed so much. Yes, very much. Since And it, it it has a lot of different directions to it. It has you can go super serious like he did with Tommaso, and he showed he can pull that off. Mm-hmm. You can go the comedy route, which he's done with the way. Mm-hmm. You can go Johnny Wrestling being Johnny Wrestling, which mm-hmm. was how he was when he came in, and he can pull that off well. You can there are a lot of he's like uh he's like uh, 
Johnny Wrestling is like onions. They stink? No. They have layers. Parfaits. Um, right. Everybody loves a parfait. Um, no, I don't like no parfait. Johnny has showed a character with layers to it over the last four, four to five years, which is something I think some people questioned when he got signed originally yeah. because he was so renowned for his in-ring work. People questioned whether that could translate into character work, especially on the mic. Right. And what he has done... Um, and this is not me kissing his ass just because we happen to work a couple shows. No, it's not that. Um, I, I mean, it's he, he, he deserves everything he, he, he does. everything positive that he gets, he deserves yes. it. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think I could see that happening. I don't know if it'll happen directly with the draft necessarily, though it wouldn't shock me. Um, if so not be- the draft, I could see him re signing quietly and then showing up during the Rumble. That's exactly the other thing I was thinking of. My man. All right. Now, real quick before we wrap up officially this episode of Way Heat, we got a giveaway. Giveaway. We've got a giveaway. All right. So, yes, it's football season. But this is a wrestling show. We're not going to talk about football. Y'all know you love having pay-per-view watch parties. I know I did back in the day when I was still living in my previous residence over in Albany. I had a lot of friends in that area. We'd usually congregate at the same house every month. We'd order pizza and wings and bring desserts or whatever, and we'd make we'd make a show of it. We did Royal Rumble pools. It was a great time. And yep. I'm sure you all have pay-per-view watch parties yourself. So we have an opportunity for you to win a gift card to Paisan's Pizza. That's right. You can get a gift card to Paisan's Pizza here in the Capital District in upstate New York. And here's what you got to do. You have to go to Twitter. Tag me and JJ. I'm at Brian Katie. He's at JJ underscore Alexander. Tag us both and say... Just make a comment for the show and have do hashtag white heat. A comment just to prove you listen to the show. It, may, it could be a question about what we talked about on the show. Anything you want. Just make sure you tag both of us and do hashtag white heat. And you're going to the first person to do that after this show drops. And I'll know what time it drops. So don't jump the goddamn gun. The first person to do that on Twitter, they will get themselves a gift card. We'll PM you. We'll DM you on Twitter. We'll slide to your DMs and get your details and all about that. So whether it's a college football Saturday, big games on the NFL on Sundays, or a huge Sunday night pay-per-view watch party, Paisons is your go-to spot for the best pizza in New York. If you live outside the Capital Region, that's okay. You can still order their amazing frozen pizzas on Gold Belly today, and they were frozen pizzas judged and scored during the pandemic by Dave Portnoy in his one bite bits with Barstool Sports. To learn more about Paisan's Pizza, you visit their website paisanspizza.com. That's P-A-E-S-A-N-S pizza.com. Or listen to their interview on my buddy Gaz's podcast, Getting There with Gaz as part of the Godzilla Media Network. So again, to get your gift card at Paisan's, you have to be the first person after this show drops to tweet with the hashtag Way Heat, 
And in that tweet, you'll have to tag both me and JJ in the tweet. If you don't tag both of us, you don't get it. If you don't use the hashtag yeah. Wait Heat, you don't get it. You got to accomplish all of that in order to win the gift card. That being said, I'll also leave a little detail about the giveaway in the description box on YouTube. And we'll mention the description on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that. That being said, special thanks again to Mohawk Honda, Johnstone Supply, and Paisons Pizza for being a part of today's show. JJ, any final words? Nah, I got a crying puppy back here. So. <laughs> that being said, for Titus... <laughs> For Titus, for JJ Alexander, I'm Brian Katie. Thank you for listening to episode 18 and watching episode 18 of White Heat. We'll catch you next time where we'll jump into the WWE draft, what we think will happen, what we don't think will happen. We'll catch you all next time. In the meantime, happy wrestling, folks. Later. <laughs>